What's up, everyone? My name is Ethan Delves, and this is the What's the Res podcast. Today, we're going to be doing a bonus episode with our guest, Patrick. He's 15 years old, and he runs a philosophy meme page on Instagram. So I reached out to him while I was getting my tire fixed, like at CarMax, because I just got my car, finally. And we just struck up a conversation in the DM talking about philosophy. And I invited him on the show, because he has some really cool thoughts to share. So Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi. Okay, so... What made you want to start a philosophy meme page? Because I've read some of your content and it's absolutely hilarious. Like some of the things you put out there, like it's definitely one of my favorite Instagram pages. So what made you so interested in doing that? Um, well, I kind of just posted memes on my private account and then I figured that I might be able to post on a public account and just get popular, I guess. Okay, so you're... 15 and already interested in a ton of philosophy so i i definitely don't know a lot of 15 year olds like that so is there a reason you like philosophy so much um i've kind of just always like questions i guess like big questions yeah yeah so do you have like a fla- uh, favorite philosopher um i like hume but i also like diogenes because he's just funny yeah why do you like him so much what uh hume yeah um, so now just uh, the Azot problems interesting. Yeah. Um, same as the problem of induction. So the reason I'm asking is because, like, when we do, it's just like I do competitive debates. So when I go to tournaments, there's a certain style of debating called Lincoln Douglas, where we have to attach a certain philosophy to all of the arguments that we're making, and. Everyone who does that does a really great job of making arguments, but they do a pretty bad job, at least in my opinion, of attaching it to some sort of overarching idea. So I definitely wanted to bring you on the show today just to talk a little bit about philosophy and your experience with it. Because I know like each meme that you post has like a different philosopher. You've definitely read a ton of it. So my my question is, do you ascribe to a particular worldview? Have you come to any conclusions for yourself based on what you've read or heard or anything? Um, well, the closest philosophy I'd say is probably nihilism. Yeah. Because I, uh, I don't, I don't really have beliefs I hold to be true. Okay. So what's your definition of nihilism? Well, just, uh, well, a kind of epistemological nihilism where I don't think we can know anything for certain. Okay, so there's no ability to reason or anything like that? Well, I think we can reason, but the problem is is that I don't see any valid reason for reason. Okay, because I know when we were talking, you were saying something about it being circular, right? Yeah, because if you do have a a valid reason for using reason or, or saying why it's valid, that would be circular because you're using reason to prove reason. Okay, so would you say that the laws of reason are objective or subjective or just like a tool that we discovered? Um, I'd say they're they're objective. Okay. So we can't, you're saying that we can't use these objective laws to come to any conclusions? Or like we can't reason about reason, I guess is what you're saying? Um, We can use them to come to conclusions, but since we can never prove the validity of reason, we'd never be certain of these conclusions. And which ph- was there any philosopher in particular that convinced you of a nihilistic framework, at least, or that you're leaning towards that direction? No, I haven't. I haven't really read any kind of nihilists. So it's just kind of based on like what you've observed about the world and the way it works. Yeah, just kind of introspection, just thinking about reason. And is this all subject to change, or are you pretty convinced and firm in your belief? Um, I've never really been firm in my beliefs. I'd change it if 
otherwise. I mean, yeah, it's a comp- it's a really complicated world we live in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, what do you think about right and wrong? Objective, subjective, morals? Any foundation for it? Well, I used to believe in a kind of uh, objective morality. It was kind of teleological, where yeah. um, good is um, basically what helps us survive. But um, the, the problem with that is uh, there's like there's so many different ways you can define good, and it's just based on semantics. So that view kind of I wouldn't hold it be, to be true anymore. So you think now it's more subjective, and good can mean different things based on where you are. Well, I think it's whether it's subjective or objective depends on how you define good. If you define it as that which achieves purpose, I think there is a case of objective morality because you could argue that uh, morality is just there for survival. So good is simply that which uh, helps us survive, which can be objectively measured. But then you could also define it as that which is to be desired, and then it becomes subjective. So as far as survival goes, what would you say, would you say the purpose of life or the purpose of just living in general is survival? Or have you come across any sort of purpose or meaning that you think defines humanity? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's just to survive and continue the kind of perpetuate your own species. But I don't think there's any follow that because of the is all problem. Okay. And can you um, describe the is all problem to us? So um, just because something is the case doesn't mean we ought to do it. Okay. So so we shouldn't, so, so you can't really prove why we should do anything. Including surviving? Because we are surviving, but you can't prove that we ought to? Correct. Okay. So how does that tie into your ideas of right and wrong? Because I know, just to give some debate context, because I know you were asking me before this interview, like, what is this interview have anything to do with your podcast here's what it has to do with the podcast is that the way that everybody ties philosophy to their arguments and debate they all use some sort of utilitarian or consequentialist framework and are you familiar with those yes where basically you just count something as good or wrong based on its effects yeah i i wouldn't i i have problems with that what are your problems with that because i i definitely have problems with that as well um well yeah so what are your thoughts on that well, the problem is, say, if um, a consequentialist philosophy would say that if I accidentally, say, fell over and stabbed someone, that's morally equivalent to me doing it on purpose because they have the same consequence. Hmm. And you would disagree with that? Um, I don't know if I disagree with it. I I just think it's a problem. Because you think that, I've... like, regardless of your intention, like, you still stab someone it's just as wrong no matter what the intention was behind it. Or you would say that it's less wrong if you didn't mean to. Um, I'd say I'm an intentionalist if I had to go for one. Yeah. Cause I mean here, like in the United States, I know you're in England. Like, so tell me if your laws are similar or different. We definitely treat it like it's something different or there's a moral difference there because if you accidentally kill someone, then that's manslaughter. But if you intentionally kill someone, there's, you know, like three something different degrees of murder. So it seems like society doesn't necessarily operate off of a consequentialist framework. Would you would you agree? Uh, yeah, I would agree because even if like um, if there was a a plane crash, um, people treat it very differently to if someone hijacked a plane and intentionally crashed it. Yeah. So what would you say, is there any other way to, would you say, to like weigh right and wrong besides a consequentialist framework for the purpose of making an argument? Um, well, an intentionist framework. And could you describe that? Well, you just, um, you evaluate um, moral judgment based on the intent behind it. Okay. So if someone was drowning and then I save them for money, like to get paid versus I save them out of the like goodwill of my heart, those would be morally 
unequal or unequal. Yeah, because um, you could argue that if you look at it in the big picture, um, society is better if people act for for good, for good sake, rather than for for money. Okay, I and mean, why is that? Just because, um, like, because I know, like, a consequentialist framework would say either way you save someone, so you did something right, but that just doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, well, the problem is, um, science everyone who saves someone's life. Can you say that one more time? Sorry. If like, someone's yeah. gonna have to pay for like a reward for everyone who saves someone's life, it's better if there isn't someone who has to pay them. Okay. And what do you think about, so you say that there's the meaning of life is survival as, am I correct in saying that? As far as we know. Yeah, I'd say so. If the meaning of life is survival, then why do we do things that don't necessarily go towards that goal? Cause I know like, I mean, we spend like tons of time, you know, in school and doing other things and educating ourselves and like mulling over these ideas. I mean, I could go down like a massive list that don't necessarily seem to relate to survival, just eating, drinking and reproducing and carrying on our genetics. So why do you think all of these other things, these accidental concepts come into life if survival is the, the only goal? Um, well, I think it's survival is the only go through evolution but evolution isn't perfect and we've uh certain things which were originally intended for for survival aren't now for example um you know um way back when we're hunters and gatherers um like high sugar foods would be very good for us to give us energy but now not so much they they cause health issues so you do believe in evolution and that evolution is how we got to where we are today. Yeah. So probably. evolution as an entire sort of concept or, or is there like a limit to it? Like I know some people or I mean, natural selection is like a scientifically proven concept, you know? So you would go all the way and say like evolution is how humans got to where they are today. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say for certain, but okay. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. Would you say that are you a believer in the Big Bang? Yeah, seems plausible. So why based, is that why is that on, convincing to you? Well it it basically just comes from the fact that the universe is expanding. So if you um go back in time it it becomes closer together and to the point where it was just a like a a singularity that's infinitely dense point from which everything expanded from okay so and and it doesn't yeah it doesn't necessarily say where this point came from it just says it was this point and then it evolved into the universe it could have existed forever okay and you would say that nothing would have created this point but this point was just always there no beginning and no end until i guess the end of the universe well uh, I I don't know what came before. Could have been another universe. Okay. Uh, I hesitate to say it was God. You you could value whatever started the Big Bang as a God, but okay. I I don't think that there's much of an argument for saying it's some conscious being that did it. So for the for the time being, you're leaning towards atheism as a um worldview. Yeah. Okay. I'd say so. And I know we were joking about this before, where the least convincing argument for God would be the ontological argument. Um, yeah. Who made? Do you know who made that argument? Because we were um, just talking Anselm. about it. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. completely with you there. I think that is like the most ridiculous argument I've probably ever heard. Um, yeah. And he got famous for and, it. So yeah. yeah. I mean, and Descartes used it, and then uh, and Aquinas used it as well. Yeah. Would you say if you could pick any of the different arguments for God, even though you don't believe in him or whatever sort of essence that we would describe God as? Yeah. 
What would be the most convincing one to you? Um, well, I'd say uh, the kind of the unmoved mover argument. And yeah, I from Aristotle. It, yeah, yeah. I don't think it can prove um, like a Abrahamic God, but it can prove a deistic God, something which we can appreciate and value as a higher being. So you would say infinite regression is not possible? Um, no, I don't think it is because then there'd always be another event and another event you'd never reach now. So what's so um, unconvincing about the idea of there being a God in the first place to you? Um, well, just lack of evidence or proof. Okay. So I'm, as far as the evidence goes, how do you, I guess this is dealing more with epistemology here. How do you think we, um, gain knowledge about the world to go off of Because you were just talking about reason and how it's circular. So what can we really know for sure? Um, I don't, I don't think we can know anything for sure. So not even like an empiricist sort of thing where we can trust our senses? No, I don't think we can trust our senses. How do you? How are we supposed to live in a world where we can't trust anything that we that we go through? Um. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure. So, um, would you say, or do you think that we're maybe part of like a computer simulation or some some sort of like alternate reality or something like that? We we could be. I wouldn't say we're we're in one. Okay. So, where what do you think we're in? Um, I don't know. I I do think that um, there there is a case in science that we don't actually see reality. We yeah. see um something that we've been naturally selected to see. That's interesting. And can you can you uh, go into that a little bit further? Uh, so there might be certain objects that if we look at. Uh, in a certain way, they can be more useful to us, even if that perception of it doesn't reflect how the object actually looks. Do you have an example? Um, uh, well, I was reading about it, and they were saying that uh, it was kind of a hypothetical where there's a there's a world where the oxygen level constantly changes, and saying that species uh, may evolve to see a low oxygen level is red to avoid it, and then a high oxygen level is green to to know that it's a, it's safe to go out. So does that change the fact that the oxygen level is a objective measure in and of itself and that our perception of it may be different, but it still exists? Yeah, I, I, I'd wager to say that it, it still exists objectively. So there's, there is an objective world and then we perceive it through a uh, subjective lens yeah i mean i'm not sure it's just kind of speculation i know that's what the philosophy or the the system of ideas called personalism kind of deals with is that there's an objective reality and there's subjective experiences through that mm-hmm. but would you well, say I, go ahead go ahead i'd say i was about saying that i i kind of agree with emmanuel kant's metaphysics yeah what he what said, particularly do you agree with? Well, he said um, matter exists, but we can't know anything for sure about it because it exists beyond our perception. And then he said space and time are created through our perception. And I think it's not just space and time that are created for through our perception. I think almost everything we see are created through our perception. Um, I've read this this book by Werner Heisenberg, and he, he advocates for something similar. He says that particles and, and waves in physics don't objectively exist. They're just created through our perception. And what's so convincing about, what is more convincing about that idea than the idea that our senses are reliable? Because we certainly act yeah. like they are. Like we we go throughout our lives and survive and go to whatever end we're we're oriented towards acting as if our senses are reliable. So why 
why do we act that way if they're not because we have no other choice yeah or or just because um you know when you're going through day-to-day life you don't go through it with a massively skeptical mind you just kind of do it just drink the kool-aid yeah (laughs) so um so you go as far as not trusting your senses do you ever just have these moments throughout your day where you're just looking at something thinking that it's probably not real no I, i don't actually but i sometimes go through moments saying that like uh everything we see uh we we don't really question it because we have we have to assume it yeah in order to get anywhere yeah okay but i also believe that there's no reason why we should get anywhere as well what do you think about um math do you think math is like discovered or just another tool created by us yeah you think it's a tool? I th- um I don't think I think that's a that's a very good question. I I probably wager to say that uh the reason why mass appears so inherent in nature is because that that is how you perceive it. It may not be the case that things outside our perception operate mathematically. So if we if there were no humans at all in the entire universe and there was would there still be the same, you know, like number of galaxies or planets or stars as there would be if there were humans to perceive it? Uh I'm not sure. Uh I I think that the the world without perception would be unrecognizable. That makes, I mean, that kind of makes sense because like recognizability is a human trait or a human attribution to something else. Yeah. I mean, because I know that a lot of astrophysicists and like pretty much anybody that studies math on Earth and math outside of Earth, there's a large group of those people, and I don't have like a percentage or anything, that would argue or that are convinced of God's existence. And that God created the universe and the world simply because of the idea of math, because, you know, they'll, they'll say so many different things like earth is just the correct distance from the sun. All of the 90, yeah. 93, 96 elements are perfectly placed in our body so that we don't die of unnatural mm. levels. I mean, earth is perfectly placed between two of the spiral arms of the Milky Way galaxy so that we're able to observe the rest of the universe. And there's so many different rabbit holes you could go down for that argument. And I find it pretty compelling. So what would you say to somebody who made that argument for the existence of a God or gods? Uh, I wouldn't find that compelling because in order to be able to ask the question, is there a God, the universe must be suited for our survival. Why is that? Because otherwise we wouldn't exist. Our if God, if is the God predi- didn't create us, no, no, I mean, like our our existence is predicated on the fact that the universe is fine tuned for life. Yeah. So, okay, so then people would think that's because a God exists, or right, some people do. Some the, people do. It's called the anthropic principle, and that states that in order. Um, to ask or to question why the universe is fine-tuned for life, it has to be originally. So, of course, it is. I think Otherwise, I'm following. Existing it. So, so, so there's no need for God because it, it just happened by chance, and there might be, it might just be like one in I don't know, like it's like I saw a video about it. It's like yeah. if you rolled a die, uh, if you rolled a die one followed by ten trillion zeros times. That's your probability. Yeah. And and you might say, oh, that's really unlikely that we're in that universe. But of course we're in that universe because we wouldn't be, we wouldn't exist in the other ones. So you there find would be no life. You find that probability more convincing than a, a creation framework where we were created by some sort of intelligent being. Yes, because we can only be aware of the possibilities where 
we can survive. So you wouldn't say that that same awareness would exist in a world where we were created by an intelligent being. It, it, it would exist, yes. So it's possible. Yeah, of, of course an intelligent being is possible, but I wouldn't say that's sufficient evidence to believe in it. Okay. What if you paired it with some more evidence from a couple of different areas? I know a lot of people use the argument for objective morality and then they'll run they'll all run to Hitler and try to show why it's wrong. I'm sure someone's done that to you before, am I right? Um Well, I th- I've thought about it myself, yeah. Yeah. So you would say or would you say that um atrocious acts like not necessarily that one or you could include that one were are objectively wrong or just subjective based on our perception i don't think it matters if it's objective or subjective because of the is all problem because there's, there's no reason why we ought to pursue good whether it's objective or subjective shouldn't we pursue good for the purpose of survival under the framework we were talking about before or like no. what helps us survive could be considered good yeah well it can be considered good but but it's not objectively good. So if if nothing of that sort matters, then why would survival be considered a purpose? Um, because it is why we exist. Because like we, by by evolution. So what's the purpose of survival? Uh, there isn't one. I should say, it just came about by chance. So I know this is like a really terribly dark question, but then why survive at all? Yeah, uh, I, I'd say it's just as arbitrary to kill yourself as it is to continue on living. So may as well. So, I mean, because a, a lot of, or is this the same idea that we we're talking about earlier, where everyone has to assume? some sort of mindset like trusting the senses and all of these sorts of things so that we can achieve this goal of survival without focusing on the arbitrariness of doing it or not doing it i don't think we have to assume it it's just it is assumed just naturally it's the natural like tendency of human beings to assume that sort of thing yeah because without it we would just all be like a 50 50 survivor don't survive yeah okay and so kind of going back to the idea of reason, would you say that reason, even if it's circular, is it just a natural tendency of human beings? Like to, to reason through things or attempt um, to? Uh, well, I think sometimes... Um, Humans act on emotion rather than reason. Okay. I mean, which makes sense. Like, we see that yeah. pretty much all the time. What, I'm, what I want to know is, if there are, because I know we agreed earlier that there are objective laws of reason. Mm-hmm. If there are objective laws of reason, why is it so, why is it dangerous or why is it not valid to assume that we can use reason to reach other conclusions? Because um, because there's no reason why we... There's no proof as to why reason is valid. There's and no if, proof as to why these objective laws of reason are valid. What do you mean by valid? Just like that they work? Yeah, are true, are accurate. I mean, but even in saying that, you're using the objective laws of reason to make that yeah, case, yes. which is why it's yeah. circular. Yeah. And why is that not necessarily yeah. dependable, though? I mean, it seems pretty dependable to me. I could just be not looking at it at a deep enough level, but I find that pretty convincing. That reason is is an objective tool that we can use to learn more things about the world. But then I, I guess that plays into the idea of trusting senses, right? Yeah. And, and I guess I guess it could go... You could even use the problem of induction to say that just because it has been in the past a useful tool doesn't mean it will continue to be in the future. 
And how could the usefulness of reason deteriorate over time? Um, just if unreasonable things happen that we can't explain. For example, in a in quantum physics, you have um, things that seem to operate outside of reason. So, would you say that unreasonability is just the absence of reason? Because, like, we we if yeah. we see something as unreasonable, we must have some reasonable thing to compare it to to reach that conclusion right yeah or or just something uh which contradicts reason but those laws of reason would still be just as prevalent because we would they would have to contradict the laws of reason for us to see them as un or see something as unreasonable yeah but just because they exist i i wouldn't say that's evidence of their validity okay so what would make reason valid so basically what you're saying is like for like a common theme throughout this entire interview seems to be that in order for us to trust something there has to be absolute proof of it yeah and for and you feel safer being skeptical of these things that we've discussed rather than trusting a foundational principle to go off of well i i have a problem with a foundational principle is when is it okay to use it and when isn't it okay to use it and, okay. and to what aim so can you can you give me an example of that um we well, could just start with the the foundational principle in that re- but then i'd say that that doesn't have any evidence could you say that one more time i think the mic cut out yeah, so you could start with the found foundation of reason being valid, but then there, there's no there's no evidence for that. Um, so then you start to say, if I can believe in one thing without evidence, who's to say why I can't believe in something else without evidence? Because then, if you believed in that first original thing, you've either you're either really correct or you're either really incorrect. Yeah. So, why does why do you um, feel that being skeptical of reason is better than trusting it? Because if there's because you say there's no reason to believe it, I don't think it necessarily is better than. um, By saying it's better, you're 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 saying that uh, you might be saying it's more moral to do it. It, it's it's more ethical, right? Um, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it is more ethical. I'm I, I'll just I'm just saying that like I'm, I'm not making claims as to whether we should or shouldn't follow reason. I'm I'm merely stating that it it's circular. So by the laws of reason, reason is irrational. So reason proves itself irrational. Yeah, but there is a problem with that because the statement reason is irrational, you're using reason as well. You're using reason. So then how could it be irrational if you're using... Does that make it less rational if you're using reason to disprove reason? Because what I'm seeing here is like a likelihood sort of thing. Like if like reason is likely to be valid and likely not to be invalid and there's a sort of degree of measuring going on there if we could no i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's a likelihood you would say that it's just not valid from the laws of reason it's not valid and what are the laws of reason well well something like saying you can't have uh, like saying a circular argument isn't valid or uh or we should believe in things that, that have proof and proof reason. proof is definitive certainty uh well you can have different types of proof um okay like what well you could have like a kind of you know you could have ab- abductive reasoning you know the most likely I would just say, I would call that evidence, not proof, because evidence would be something that points towards something being true or false, but I would say proof is just a definitive certainty of something. 
yeah okay we'll, we'll go by that then so yeah just like a deductive proof like it has to be true so if if we're not if we don't have proof of anything is it would you say that it's more so would you say that truth exists like objective truth and we just can't perceive it no matter how hard we try um it might exist it might not exist we i don't think we can reach it is it important to know or should we try to know or is that just not um something we should focus on well i try to know but i don't i can't prove why we should so if you try to know then how do you how do you implement what you do and don't know into your into your life do you have to trust certain things or do you have things that you do trust that you can go off of to and live by or do you re- remain um, like eternally skeptical or something well i'd say whilst i i hold the fact that we can't know anything for certain i i still act as if certain things are true but i can't i'll do my homework even though i don't know that the school exists or that even the, yeah that anything exists yeah are you sitting there doing your homework thinking like wow my school might not even exist <laughs> yeah sometimes i'm just i'm just imagining you like feel like what what math do you take is it i'm sure it's different in england than it is in the u.s um, like the curriculum well do you like calculus or pre-calculus yeah um done a bit of calculus yeah so you're sitting there doing calculus homework and i'm just thinking about what's going through your head like these laws of calculus may not be real my teacher may not be real my school may not be real <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so, well, but I you're assuming like calculus, so you like it I, I just do it okay what do you like about it i don't know does it seem uh, reasonable at all <laughs> yeah but as I said, reason is a contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> but you, so you still enjoy doing calculus because it seems reasonable, even though metaphysically speaking, it's a it's a contradiction in and of itself. Yeah. Do you do you have like emotional trouble basing your life on things that you don't know whether or not they're true? Does that bother you at all? Um, not really. You just kind of learn to to live with that. Yeah. And I don't really know how. I just do. Just do? Yeah. But I mean, I don't really have political opinions. Yeah. So, like, just no political opinions, but as far as, like, you have, I would well, argue, I, I more important opinions. Like, reality I, I, opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of have political opinions, but, but I often just, if someone's talking about politics, my, my view would just be to oppose them. Yeah. Or, like, be skeptical of whatever they put out. Yeah. So, man, I had a question of mine I was just thinking about. I mean, what, like, I'm also just, like, outside of this conversation, too, like, just complete sidetrack for a second, interested, like, about the political environment of England, too. Because, like, I'm not just going to, like, you live, like, in England, not, like, any of the surrounding areas, like, you're, you're British, right? Yeah, in in England, in, inside of in, England, okay. in London. in London, you said. Yeah. Oh, like in the city. Well, like not not. Well, like assuming the city. the city is real, like in the yeah. city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and assuming your house is real. Well, well, the city of London is different to London. The city of London is a tiny little bit, and then there's London, which is different to the city of London. What do you think of the political environment in England now? Because there's a lot of talk uh, about Brexit and everything. Oh, okay. right. Um, yeah, it's it's chaos. Chaos. Yeah. It is that like for the everyday person too, or is that just like a higher up sort of chaos? Like, do you see the effects well, of it? We will. You will. I I think. I'm, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, because if we if we leave the EU. There will be economic uncertainty. So back to back to my original thought. I think I've kind of got it now. If we were able to trust our senses, which I think we are, and and you you would say that reason is an accurate principle to go off of, what would the implications 
of that be? Like, have you done the thought experiment saying, okay, I'll trust the senses, I'll yeah. trust... Yeah, um, I have, and then uh, I still can't really... I'm I'm still uncertain of things, and I still can't build an ethical framework. Based on reality, like, and how senses are. Would you say, yeah, so, even- if you could trust the senses, would you go as far to say that we're past an empiricist mindset where we can trust that maybe there's more than just the senses, like a consciousness maybe, or well, like something like that. I think that if we can trust reason, there are things we can know without the senses. And so if we could trust reason, assuming that reason is valid, yeah. what, what conclusions could we come to based on that? Do you think uh, one plus one equals two? Okay, stuff like that. You know? Anything, anything, not like more significant because I know one plus one equals two <laughs> yeah. was was someone's biggest life discovery. But like, yeah, Bertrand Russell proved it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so if if we could, yeah, say that we could trust both reason and the senses. Okay, yeah. once we have those two things in place, what else? What do you think we could find out about the world? Would that open up a ton of other possibilities? Um, well, science. For, for a start. So basically everything well, that we're under your framework that we're assuming would be something that we could discover in that sort of reality. Yeah, well, there, there's also another problem with science, that being the problem of induction. You know, um, we, can't, we can never be certain what will happen if I drop a pen. Okay, because the law of gravity may just not apply that time. Yeah. Okay. If I were to, so I'm going to ask you, based on everything that you assume for the sake of living everyday life, and imagine like mm-hmm. everybody is under that assumption, which I guess pretty much they are, whether they know it or not, yeah. right? Who would be the most, who would be more correct when it comes to things like big metaphysical questions? Like if someone said there's objective wrong and subjective wrong, or like, let's just, let's start with a moral problem. Yeah. Based on an accurate, or based on reason being valid and the senses being trustworthy, would you say that someone has reached a more correct conclusion on that question? I I think it it goes down to semantics because there's just different ways you can define good, and whether it is objective or not, literally it depends on what definition you're using. So, what about a different question? So we could try. Like, what about the yeah. existence of God? Do you think if we had, if reason was valid and senses were trustworthy, that a theist would be more accurate than an atheist, or an atheist would be more accurate than a theist in saying what they believe? Um, I'd say an atheist would be more reasonable. Because why accurate. is that? Well, I just think it would be reasonable to believe things that have evidence although there there was an argument there's there's a pragmatic argument for god saying that you know you might just live your life better if you act as if god exists oh there's uh, there's also like pascal's wager where you can't lose if you believe in god right so if if i were looking at like a leaf and you know like someone i've had someone do this to me too which is why i'm using this example where they break down like all of the different cell structures of the leaf and they're talking about, you know, the mitochondria, the nucleus, the cell membrane, all this stuff, the ribosomes, and saying that this obviously, this symmetry, this this system of life is so complicated, it has to be the result of an intelligent being. Put not to mention like all the different elements and mathematical things that people yeah. appeal to for that sort of thing. Why would you say would you say an atheist is more um believable by saying well first of all do you think that the atheists hold a, a worldview that's centered around a random probability and that we got lucky with this probability um yeah uh well i'd hesitate to use the word random because okay we, we don't we don't know if it is random it might follow rigid deterministic laws and when the universe at the point of the universe's creation it was determined that we would have this conversation now we don't but know what was it determined by like how um, could the, how could those objective laws even be there if there was no universe 
Um, well, that could have just happened. So, like the universe happened, but yeah. then where, where, like, what's the where and why, or the what and why for these objective laws being there before the universe? Because, um, like, under under the theistic worldview, there's an intelligent being, uncaused cause, unmoved mover, whatever you want to call it that mm-hmm. establish these objective laws. So what would have established the objective laws without that? Um, I guess just the universe itself. But the universe was created after and under those laws. So if the laws are over the universe, then how did they? Well, well um, yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I haven't just like, I'm not ontologically proving God to you right now, but it's a good question. Um, no, well, I've, 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 I have thought about it before. Um, I, I think that if, um, I think that it is possible that, I know I, I spoke against infinite regression, but that just the initial singularity in the universe began as that could have just existed forever because there is no time in a singularity, time stops. So if, and you're saying that singularity just is a infinitely dense particle. Is that what? Yeah. Okay. Well, in inverted commas, infinitely dense. Okay. Because uh, that's just because our current theories can't calculate the density. So would you say, so where would the, um, like the laws that acted upon the universe after it's the beginning of its development. So would you say that there is order in the universe and that the, this order has created it and or shaped it into what it is today? Um, it depends how you define order. I think there is order and disorder. Okay. Well, well, I, well, I'd also say that order is not something you can objectively measure. Yeah, I don't think you could objectively measure order, but I think if you look at two different things, you can tell which one's more orderly and and something that's yeah. more disorder. Like in my view, that's an innate trait of human beings that we're if there's one thing we're good at, it's recognizing order versus disorder. Yeah, and I think entropy is also. I think that's a like the deterioration of order. Yeah, and calculate entropy. I think so. If the universe was created or i guess happened arbitrarily but there's still like then why does order exist in the universe and why does it why do things seem to go in different or develop in different patterns of order um i think that is a that's a problem in physics what why did the universe started off start off more orderly than less orderly so that we just um, we can't know for sure kind of thing at the moment do you think that there's any there's any plausibility for making the case for god based on that principle like that that people would not be foolish to say that um or you still think it's not likely at all well just because we don't know the answer doesn't mean it was god or that it wasn't all that it wasn't, yes, correct. So so maybe um I'm going to the conclusion that agnosticism would be better. But you're still gonna spend your whole life trying to find out. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. I, I, I Do you think you're gonna go through different phases? Like you think at one point you're just gonna be so convinced and then at another point you're gonna be convinced <laughs> yeah. of like a different and then that's maybe you'll happens. go off and do that's what it's like a dynamic thing. Yeah, I was once a more consequentialist for about 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Until what what happened? <laughs> I was just like, oh wait, no, I don't I don't like that. Did something happen or did you like commit an act would, and then you were like, wait, that's right? <laughs> no, just just with my thoughts, I just used some thought experiment. What I think is like, but if imagine if this actually physically happened where you you fell and st- like we'll use your stabbing example. I kind of like that one. I think I'm yeah. gonna use I'm gonna use that in a debate. 
Like, watch me. I, and I'll actually yeah. t- I'll DM you too when I'm finished with this round. If somebody brings up a consequentialist framework, I will give them your stabbing little paradox. And, and yeah. I'll tell you if I won that round. Um, but if you, if you fell and stabbed someone on accident, that would be... And a consequentialist would say that's... You chalk that up as being just as wrong as if you had intentionally killed them. What you're doing is you're making a moral judgment like you, you as a human being have the capacity to make a moral judgment about that. Whether like where that comes from, we don't know. It could be assumed. It could be from God. It could be a, a you know, like a strand of evolution that we don't quite understand yet. But yeah. you, you're making a moral evaluation. And what I think is interesting is that most human beings would make that same moral evaluation as you have. Can we agree on that? Like most people would say it's it's wrong if you intended to kill someone and not as at least not as wrong if you unintentionally killed someone. Yeah, I, I'd say most would would say that. So but it doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's true. But it, it would you at least say it's interesting that most people have a similar moral compass and theists would describe this as an objective instinct or morality instilled yeah, by God I and then atheists. Yeah. So, yeah, like a natural law. Yeah. Do you think that, and I'm assuming you're going to say that the that God is the least plausible explanation for why we have this ingrained in us? Well, it's evolution. Right. And why would you say that evolution's ingraining of this moral principle inside of us is more convincing than God? Um, because there is... Uh... Because within the framework of an account for morality and evolution is an effect which has, or process that's already that already has evidence. Okay. Do would you say so? You think that all life on Earth is related at a at a very basic level, or from a basic start starting point? Um. Well, I. I I'm not very knowledgeable on the origin of human life. I think it might have come from one. I was watching an ancestor. Like the reason I'm asking is because I saw this interesting video, and if I can find it, I'll totally link it in the description too. Um, yeah. Where people were saying, or this was a theist speaking. He was saying that if you believe in the Big Bang, or like, or whatever your version of the Big Bang is, where there's a singularity and everything has come from that singularity. That there's a couple of well, other... No, everything's already in the singularity. Everything's already in the singularity. Yeah. So, but where did that singularity come from? Like it's that's always, like... it's always, always been there. If God can always be there, why not the singularity? Well, I would think that it's more reasonable to think that God, in infinite... Are you saying that the singularity is God, except it's not intelligent? Because I'm wondering how... Um, how well, like... yeah, that is an argument. If, if you want to value it as a God, you can. I mean... Because I'm thinking that, like, the reason I'm inclined to think that God exists, or one of the reasons I'm inclined to think that God exists, is because the singularity, or whatever the singularity was, when it got bigger into the universe that we have, one, there was matter already there, which I think must have been created by something immaterial. But two, Mm. is that order came from that. Like, from the most, like, something more complicated and orderly came from something so simple as one infinitely dense particle. So I'm, cause usually as we see with entropy, like order breaks down over whatever our con- conception of time is. By the way, do you know how we measure time? Like how human beings, I'm sure you know, do you know? A clock. No. Well, yeah, a clock, <laughs> but like, what's, do you know what the, <laughs> wow. A, do you know what the definition of a second is? Like one second, how we came up with that. Um, I don't know. I sounds to do with you can get like atomic clocks. It's like no, that's that's exactly. It's oscillations of a cesium atom. Yeah, is yeah. how we. Okay. So first of all, like assuming like that concept of time, like great, like using yeah. a human concept of time. I'm wondering how something, how so many complicated things, like like I don't know. I'm just I'm sitting in my kitchen, like I'm looking at a light, a door. I mean, a table, my phone, my microphone how so many complicated structures, like atomic structures, elemental structures, could have evolved from something less complicated. 
Like, that seems to go against everything that entropy would describe. Am I right in saying yeah. that? So, um, yeah. I don't, even know, I don't even know what question to ask of that. Just say something <laughs> to that. Uh, when I say I'm an atheist, I wouldn't say... I'm not like a Richard Dawkins. I, I, just, I don't believe in God. I'm more like an agnostic. So you're saying I, that you're safer, or you feel more confident saying you don't know what's going on than I know exactly what's going on. There's no God here. Yeah, but, but the fact that I, I don't believe in God, I, and that's not like me saying he doesn't exist, it's me saying I don't believe in him. And so if, but you said earlier that you're going to try to find out what's true. Yes. If you assuming reason to be true and our senses to be trusted. But why are you assuming those two things if you think they're not to be trusted? Um like don't you at some point have to believe in them in order to come to because then none of the, nothing that you ever come to will be true. So are you just going to try to debate yourself and convince yourself that they're true and try to live like that? Um well I'm going to act as if they are true because nothing because otherwise it's boring but then you'll probably come to some sort of conclusion and then you're going to be like wait this doesn't even matter and it's not true um, is that like an infinite sort of paradox that you're yeah. going to be encapsulated in yeah I need to get I, Josh I on here man I need to get Josh on here he would totally like he would know what to say I'm sitting here like look you've read so much more philosophy than I have I'm 17 and you're 15 uh, and I, don't, I don't know if I have I think you, well, your memes would say otherwise, because okay, well, those, those things are objectively hilarious. Did Honestly. you see the last one? Yes, I, I'm actually going to pull it up right now so I can look at it again. Because I got my phone with me. But yeah, so your memes are funny. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going with this. But are you, are you do you think you'll that, ever that's be... That's just an objective truth. That's an objective truth. My memes truth. are funny, yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to drop a like on that right now. But so are you going to co- try to convince yourself that reason is true? Because in, I, I'm sure like you'll come to some sort of conclusion about the world. But then the second you remind yourself that it's probably not real, what are you going to do? Like try again? Well, not, not, not that it's probably not real. More like I, we can't know that it's real. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that is a problem. <laughs> How are we going to solve that problem? I... I'm like motivating you here. I'm like, let's find a way to solve this problem. Honestly, I don't, I don't see a solution. Hmm. Like, I, I've had phases of doubt, but I've never been like this. I've never been here. What do you so, mean here? I, I, here being, I don't know anything. So now, certain. now you're at that point on the dynamic wave where you're, you don't know something. Yeah. Next week you may. Yeah. Next week you may go back to your consequentialist childhood for fourteen minutes, go yeah. and arrive at some sort of intentionality thing. Maybe when you're like twenties and thirties, you'll be a theist for a couple days. You know, it's just going to be dynamic. Uh, yeah, I mean, were you ever a theist at any point? Yeah. Well, I was brought up Catholic, so when I was really young, I was a theist, and then I became an atheist. And okay. then I became an agnostic, and then I became a deist, and then I became an atheist, and then I became a deist. <laughs> is this reflected no. in your? Is this like reflected in your memes at all? I'm scrolling through your page, wondering if I can find like a um, little personality no, strain. I, I started here. it when I've always been an atheist when making the memes. Oh, okay. Because I mean, there's. Like what? What makes me think that you've read so much philosophy is that all of these memes are focused. Like, I mean, there's Descartes. There's Aristotle is somewhere in here. I see, like, and I don't know. You make historical ones too, because like Napoleon's here and things about logic. Yeah, that's because they're easier to make. <laughs> what do you use to make them? Do you use like some sort of software? Or are you just like a photo editor? Um, my friend actually makes most of them. He's like the memer. I'm more like the knowledge. You put the you have the content for them. Like you know yeah. what to put. And in. then he like puts them together. And if any of you uh our listeners are interested in this meme page, it's called memes.philosophy. It's M E M E S dot philosophy. 
Um, yeah. If you know anything yeah, about philosophy, creative. yeah, yeah, very creative, very creative name. Um, I actually sent Josh one of these. It was the one with Barty in it, where it says, "When your intellectual contemporary says that a man is a featherless, featherless biped, so to debunk him, you run into his class with a plucked <laughs> yeah. chicken." He loved that one, like, and I, I love that. That's probably yeah, that my favorite one. one. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, so I know we've gone for about an hour now, so I'll probably wrap this up. And yeah. um, if I, if you ever talk to Josh at some point. This conversation is going to be much less me asking things and trying to figure things out, because even for myself, I'm trying to figure things out, too. Um, And I don't even know what kind of dynamic wave I'll get on in the future. But um, I would be interested to see what he would say to some things like this, too. But for any of you listening, if you want to check out um, Patrick's meme page is memes.philosophy. If you have any questions or comments, which I sure hope that you do, because this was a crazy interesting interview, um, you can email us at whatsthares at gmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-S at gmail.com. You can go to our website. That's www.whatstherez.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit at whatstherez underscore. And Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. And until next time, work hard, speak well, and seek the truth if it exists.